Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller, with Chris Howard, Vice President of U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. This is part two of our discussion about improving the way warfighters are supported at the edge with tactical capabilities. My guests today are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command Control Communications Tactical for the U.S. Army, Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director of the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army, Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab, retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE, and Scott Susie, the Director of the DOD for Nutanix. Thank you again for joining us for part two of this discussion. In part one, we talked about the, the current state of why network modernization, why it's important to change the way we get capabilities to the tactical edge. And one of the things that we left off in part one, I wouldn't call it quite a cliffhanger, Scott, but, but you left us with this idea of cloud and why moving to the cloud has its place and its time, it's important. But again, there has to be some decisions around that. So let me turn it over to General Bassett and, and have you lead off again for this part of it and maybe discuss a little bit about where the cloud and the, this new types of services plays a role in getting capabilities to the edge. The promise of, of cloud computing applied to a tactical environment is really compelling. Being able to bring tactical data to a place together where you can do analysis on it in ways that aren't possible when that data is spread across uh, a set of platforms or a set of servers and bringing it together in one place so that you can draw inferences from it. I mean, people talk about big data analytics and AI and machine learning and the kinds of things you can do when that data is all in one place. I mean, just a, an amazing possibility when you think about what you could do with tactical data that otherwise would be partitioned and maybe not leveraged together as a whole. You know, the challenge, though, of course, is that, is that the connectivity in the tactical environment is intermittent and oftentimes with really significantly less bandwidth than you might have, you know, even in your pocket with your cell phone. Uh, I was getting ready for a speaking engagement a few weeks ago, and I took, a, took my phone out of my pocket, and I ran a speed test on it with my cell phone. And, and I got a number of around 90 megabits per second. I must have been really close to an access point. And so, you know, when I compare that to the amount of bandwidth that a brigade has, let alone what a brigade would have over a satellite in a contested environment, you're really talking about, you know, single digits of megabits, maybe 10 to 15 megabits when it's shared across a satellite constellation today, compared to over 90 megabits just for the cell phone in my pocket. And so you really have to take that into account when you decide what data you can make available to a cloud and then recognize going in that, you know, the first rule of cloud computing is that is that, that storage and processing and application uh, hosting failover, all that happens somewhere else other than your, your, your computer. It happens off-site. Uh, and it's replicated in ways that you don't have to worry about. And for the enterprise, that's awesome. But for the tactical space, you have to make sure that when those links go down, when those links are denied from uh, an adversary that's employing electronic warfare, you still have to be able to do command and control and to see your forces. And so you don't want to put things into the cloud that might prevent you from operating tactically in the absence of those connections. So we're, we're really thinking about how we can use experimentation to figure out what can go in the cloud, what we can get the most bang for our buck when we bring that data together, and then make the best use of that limited bandwidth. 
kind of recognizing that, that our, our primary means of communication may not be available, and we'll have to take action to deal with that. I think to follow that up, just to, just to add, as is, is, is you lose primary, one of the acronyms that we use in the military is, is obviously is PACE, primary, primary Alternate Contingency and Emergency Comms. If you look at, you know, a couple things, how do you have comms agility? How do you have initiative and depth within your comms structure? And that gives you that. Usually, and you look, if I have a TAC web as, a, as my primary, our secondary, for instance, in Iraq and Afghanistan, was usually FM, tertiary was HF, and then our emergency comms platform was usually Iridium or a SAT phone. And I, thanks, uh, Rob, for, for drawing that out. I, th- I think the point there is not every means of communication we have has to be completely resilient in an EW environment, but we have to have other means of communication we can fall back on. Some of the advanced bandwidth and capabilities that are available in a commercial environment are going to be designed to operate in a benign RF environment, a benign communications environment, and the last thing we want to do is say we can't use it at all simply because it could be denied. It's really about giving the commander options. Jason, this is Scott with Nutanix. Major General Bassett, you bring up a great point with, uh, with the introduction of, of the AI capabilities at the edge. So some of the things that industry is wrestling with right now, some of the challenges are when we talk about AI, we've got a whole host of sensors out at the edge. I mean, the amount of sensors is a couple orders of magnitude greater than the number of servers in every single one of the data centers today. So we have to figure out a way to manage all those sensors at the edge. Then we have to figure out how do we get the data from the sensors to a, uh, a distributed, I'll say a data center, if you will, but a, but a platform where we can actually take some of the data, make intelligent decisions on the battlefield before even getting that data back to the cloud so that you can do big data and analytics. I mean, there's so many different um, immediate threats that need to be assessed before even getting back to a cloud that, that have to be acted on immediately. And that is one of the you know, big challenges that, uh, that industry is working on right now is, is how do we manage all of those sensors and how do we decipher which data should be acted on locally and which data needs to be pushed back to the cloud for big data analytics for, for future capabilities. Yeah, Scott, this is uh, General Glasset. I, 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 think, I think you got it just about right. I mean, we sometimes talk about a lot of folks talk about cloud. I think we also have to talk about edge processing, recognizing that, that the, our ability to generate data in the tactical space is significantly greater than our ability to uh, transmit all that data to, a, to, to the enterprise. And so we have to manage our way through that so that we're using that bandwidth in a way that gives us the most operational capability. Help me understand something, and I'll just kind of throw out to, there to everyone. If you're collecting data on the edge and it's going back to uh, well, sensors connected back to, let's say, tablet of sorts, that's being done through kind of a direct connection, not, not a line connection, but over the, the airwaves somehow, or, or that's using a, a router, a switch, some sort of, of ability to connect the two devices. Help me understand what's happening today, and then maybe we can look at where we can go in the future to, to improve that, those connectivities or make better decisions of which data matters the most. It's a thin or a thick client, depending on the environment you're in and, and the communications you have. But what we really want to do is take that massive data we've been gathering and data is going exponential on us. You know, if you look at how much we're we're really getting per day, it's just unbelievable. They say we're going to have 44 trillion zettabytes by 2020. You know, we're picking up about 1.7 megabytes every second. 
And we've got all that data, and it's sensor data from not only from what we're gathering on the battlefield and the strategic environment, but it's data being gathered everywhere. We want results from these massive capabilities somewhere in our environment, in our ecosystem, to get back to us in a tactical environment and give richness to whatever we're doing, be it on the battlefield, in logistics, in medical, wherever it is. So we need that through a thin or thick client, whatever it may be, depending where you are on that scale of down at the lowest tactical level up through the enterprise. And just let me put a finer point on that real quick, but it's being connected not by a, a wire, or it could be. It, it could be by fiber, it could be by a wire, copper wire, yeah. it could be by microwave, satellite, uh, okay. tropo, it could be anything. But it's it's be a thin client if there's not a lot of bandwidth, and a thick client if it is a lot of bandwidth. All right. Excellent. Thank you for that. Because that's one thing that I think as we talk about it, we wanna, don't want to get lost in the discussion. And, and or if you're not maybe familiar with how the military works you know, at the tactical edge, I think it's helpful to, to add a little clarity one to One of that. the first things we did in the Gulf when I was when I was a CIO G6 is we tapped in immediately to the fiber running up and down the Gulf. By the way, there's not a lot. But the first thing we did when we moved in is we, we got, at least in the, at the enterprise base, we got we activated and got into those fibers, commercial fibers, uh, so when we get into an environment as an expeditionary force, we go for that right away when we can. But you usually start with a very austere environment, and unfortunately, a lot of that is reach back and satellite. Yeah, General Patel, this is General uh, Bassett. I, I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And, and when we plan for that, we have to plan for uh, communications in the absence of backhaul over fiber optic cables. And, and I think, uh, as, as uh, Rob mentioned earlier, you know, we've been sort of lulled into a sense of security about what our communications architectures are like because we've been able to rely on uh, terrestrial, you know, fiber optics, which gives us that sort of backhaul at, a, at, at speeds like commercial. When it all has to go over commercial satellite or, when it, or, or worse yet, when it has to go over military satellite, those pipes get awfully small, and we have to manage that bandwidth very effectively to make sure that we're putting the right uh, the right data at the right time over those pipes to, to give us the, the most operational capability. This is Scott Susie with Nutanix. Just to, to bring it a little closer to home and, you know, describe an AI situation that, that happens with autonomous vehicles. When I talk about, you know, sensors at the edge for an autonomous vehicle or even a, a vehicle that's using, um, you know, self or assisted driving, there's, there's data, for instance, uh, you know, a child running out in front of a, of a car or, a, or, a, or an object being thrown in front of a car. The car needs to process that data at the edge, at that point, in order to, to, to stop short that vehicle so that, so that the child is, is not hit or the, or the object isn't hit. But um, at a later date, we then need to take a portion of all that data. That data then needs to go back to the to the cloud, to the data center for, for big data analytics so that, you know, if all of the, the, the self-driving vehicles in a particular area have all reported that there are, that the, the children keep running out in front of um, vehicles at this one particular spot, perhaps we use AI to, you know, to, to designate that location. Is it, is it a school zone? Is it a, you know, is there something going on there that, that can, that can further refine the activities of, of those vehicles at that location, you know, in, in the future. So we'll even make it smarter and smarter as the data is collected. But, but again, some of that data needs to be acted on immediately. And that's, you know, regardless of whether we're talking about autonomous vehicles or uh, sensor data in the field, in the battlefield, uh, there's, it, some of it is extremely critical that can, can save a soldier's life at, at that time if it's acted upon. 
So that's what's, what's really critical is determining what's important to be acted on immediately and what needs to be sent back to the, to the cloud. We have to take a break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with a legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever technology stack suits them and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today, my guests are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical for the Army, Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director of the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army. Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE. And Scott Susie, the Director of DoD for Nutanix. Angela, let me bring you into the conversation as well. One of the things that we heard is the, the, on the communication side, and whether you tap into fiber or you backhaul over satellite, all of that makes the, the talks about the complexity, and it also brings us to the discussion around the systems of systems and architecture. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and, and why that's important to this discussion? In my view, you know, we need to think about this from an information exchange standpoint. So obviously the, this tremendously rich set of data sources and all of these sensors that, that we've been talking about produce uh, a lot of data. We need to be able to support understanding and decision-making at the tactical edge, but also eventually feed that data back so that we can look at data analytics. All of this is part of an overall, you know, system of systems architecture. And, and we can't just look at specific technologies. We can't just look at the sensors alone or the, the communications technologies alone. We need to think more broadly uh, instead of a specific, you know, solution or widget to, to solve a problem. We, we need to consider those data models. You know, you may be able to create the same type of, of situational understanding and support decision-making with a lower fidelity type of data. You need to be able to select and prioritize data transfers both immediately and then for future analysis. So all of that means that you need to consider how the, the technologies and systems interact with each other and also uh, how, how those technologies and systems interact with the operators. We talked earlier about you know, the need to really simplify things for the soldiers. So that's another piece to it, you know, really taking that system of systems architecture-based approach. And the other, the other piece to that is thinking about uh, standards and well, well-defined interfaces because to introduce new technologies and to enable a, a variety of different capabilities, you, you need to have modularity and you need to have standardized interfaces so that you can be, be flexible and integrate, integrate new, new capabilities into the architecture. And, and keeping in mind that the end-to-end system has to work together, and often we see failures at the seams. And a lot of times it has to do with information exchanges. And, and having this rich set of data doesn't do us any good if we can't 
if we if if we don't speak the same language in terms of of those data models. Angela, I think you're absolutely correct. This is Steve Gotel, but as we as we look at this the cloud, which we are moving to in, in different areas in the enterprise now, and we have multiple avenues to do that. First thing I would say we really need to do in this whole process is acknowledge the scale of the migration effort. We're not very good at that, either in the commercial sector or in government. You got to say, how much work is this really to migrate? There's some stuff I don't want to put in the cloud. It belongs in a data center. It's just not suited for the cloud environment. But a lot of it is. Government processes yet are still not suited for metered utilities or that environment. Cloud security is now, in most cases, or in many cases, much better than on-prem much better than on-premises, and it's a good thing. And, and we proved that out through some of the existing contracts that the CI has. Cloud security, I think, is really what bothered us for a long time. Government's becoming very, very comfortable with that. But we need to acknowledge what we're going to have to do to migrate our apps into the cloud, which is significant. That was one of the biggest shortfalls I had in commercial, was when we moved companies to the cloud, was who would migrate those applications to cloud? And that's a pretty, pretty small community that does that, and it's in great demand. Before uh, someone else jumps in, let me just ask uh, General Bassett and Colonel Ryan to jump in here and give us a sense of, of what's needed. Uh, I want you both, because we're going to take a break after this, and, and, and I know you guys got to jump on to your, your next uh, call, your next next uh, event, so to speak. But uh, let me start with General Bassett. What needs to be done? What, what does the Army need or what is the Army looking for to kind of take everything we've talked about today, the network, the communications, the tactical capabilities, to make it better, to improve it? Let me start with that. And then, Colonel Ryan, I want you to jump in as well. I think we're on a path where we recognize that we want to be reaching out to a, a range of industry partners to, to kind of get their ideas about both the technology that's available and how it can be combined in a tactical environment to deliver the kind of effects and capabilities that we talked about today. We've had a series of uh, industry outreach sessions in coordination with uh, the Futures Command and with the cross-functional team for the network, and we've been reaching out to industry saying, hey, okay, here's our problems. Here's the environment we're trying to operate in. Here's the convergence that we're trying to achieve in our mission command software development environment. How can you be a part of that? How can you uh, bring your products to bear in ways that deliver innovation, uh, perhaps in ways that, that our previous vendors hadn't uh, thought of or, or offered to us or that we had not thought of on our own? So we think it's a combination of both sort of new technology and products as well as uh, the integration of those products uh, in ways that deliver that simplicity and capability that we were talking about. Uh, I think from, from our standpoint, as, as I kind of look at it, is, you know, the, the tactical edge, which, which uh, General Bassett and, and General Botel have talked about, is, is not all tactical outcomes are going to necessitate operational strategic inputs. And I think that's something that's a lesson we've got to take from this last war and not apply it to our next war. The, the other part that we talk about often at the tactical edge is, is, is and I think uh, Angela hit it pretty well, is that simplicity piece is the switchology. How well can a 19-year-old use it? How well can he fix it at his level? How, you know, I'm not, I don't have a troop of FSRs at my top to, to, every time I come out of the field to adhere what's broken, what's not broken. We need to get ruggedized, simple, standardized equipment with switchology that makes sense at the tactical edge. Then we can build the cloud to support operational strategic inputs and outcomes, especially against a near-peer competitor. And I think that sets us up for the next couple moves in our Army Features Command. All right, on that list, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to first say thank you to uh, Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical for the U.S. Army. General Bassett, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. And also thank Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director for the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army as well. Rob, thank you for taking the time. 
Thank you. Great opportunity. All right, stick around because we're still going to continue our conversation with uh, Dr. Angela Dalton, uh, Steve Boutel, and Scott Susi. First, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Eight years after the Federal Cloud First initiative, a certain universal truth has emerged. Success in cloud is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. A recent survey revealed that 59% of federal agencies plan to increase their use of private cloud over the next two years. Results from that same survey noted that organizations realize the greatest cost savings and IT agility when using a hybrid cloud model. Nutanix gives agencies the freedom to manage hybrid cloud complexity with ease. With the enterprise cloud, you can combine the agility and simplicity of the public cloud with the security and control you need in a private cloud. No more lock-in, spiraling costs, and data governance issues. To learn more about how Nutanix can free you from IT complexity, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. For this last segment of the show, my guests are Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab, retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE, and Scott Susi, the Director of DoD for Nutanix. One of the things that we talked about as we talked about cloud and we talked about sometimes the application modernization is, is the process piece of this. You can't just move old processes to a new technology and expect better results. I think that's a well-known fact as we've talked about cloud. So, so Scott, maybe you lead us off with this segment and talk a little bit about why these process changes, why it matters so much to one, understand what belongs in the cloud maybe and what doesn't, but at the same time, you can't just lift and shift. That doesn't always work well either. Well, the, the way that we focus on things is, is trying to leverage existing technologies that, that, that exist already out there and that are already in use by, by commercial entities for some of the, the, the pieces of, of the process. Not necessarily the entire process, but are there, are there reusable components that have already been designed and created that can shortcut and, and actually provide a, a better, more efficient way to, to complete the process? In many ways, this goes back to part one of our discussion, Scott, where make it as easy as the iPhone, the iPad, any tablet or any smartphone that someone uses, because that's what people are used to. And then that will require almost force the user to, or not the user, but the developer of the process to change that process, to improve the process when you're bringing it down to something like on, on a tablet or, or smartphone. Absolutely. And that's where, again, when, when you can simplify the, the whole process, you, you reduce the number of moving pieces, number of moving parts, which simplifies. It also reduces space weight power requirements out in the field. All of these things are important. General Boutel, jump in. Yeah, as, as we look at that, and, and, you know, as these technologies emerge and converge, and cloud is a massive one that we've got to leverage, and we're starting to, but we've got, we've got to get it right. It's, it's really important as we get into, you know, hypervisors and all the piece parts, containers that make it up. We're going to have to work through the culture. And that is the issues of owner and operation responsibilities, uh, and they disrupt the traditional government or military cultures and data processors and ownership. That's got to change. If we move to the cloud and, and we don't do this application uh, modernization and business modernization, we've missed a wonderful opportunity to reinvent and meet our mission requirements. You're not going to move things straight across and do business just the same. If you do, you'll have, you'll have really wasted a lot of time and money. You've got to do process improvement with it. It's got to take place with cloud adoption 
uh, there won't be a much benefit in cloud adoption as we want. Well, actually, that's, a, that's another great point, is that in moving to the cloud, it allows us to focus on, on the application and the mission and not everything underneath the application. So when we build the infrastructure on site, there's so many things that our data center folks have to, have to worry about in purchasing, installing, configuring, managing. When we go to the cloud, we don't specify any of that. We choose our cloud provider, and we say, can you handle our application? And we focus all of our efforts on making sure the application runs as, as efficiently, and it does exactly what we need to do. We don't specify what type of hardware, servers, storage. We don't, we don't talk about the networking. We don't talk about security. We expect them to handle it. We don't, we don't specify things like hypervisor. All of those are things that we expect the cloud provider to provide to us. And that's what, if we do things on-prem, that requires 90% of our effort and 10% of our effort focused on the actual application. So when that's one of the great benefits of the cloud is allowing the cloud provider to focus on the things that aren't really important to the warfighter's mission. But the, but the, the issue is the soldier, sailor, and airmen are doing jobs today and they do that in a certain way, that will all have to change. Some of those soldier, sailors, and airmen jobs will go away. Some will change what they do. The processes will change. The physical structure will change within those environments because they're not doing that stuff manually that you've taken into the cloud. And that culture is the hard ones. Really, like you say, the only thing harder than getting a, a new idea into the Army is getting an old idea out. So they're going to have to change a lot of the way they do business uh, in the day-to-day business. Angela, let me bring you into the conversation as well. One of the things when we talk about application improvements and modernization, does the network piece, does the communication piece, does that matter in your view to the application? Meaning, does an application that was built 15 or 20 years ago, as an example, does that run differently on the network that of today? Or help me understand the network piece to this discussion. In an ideal world, you, the application shouldn't care about the network, but the reality is that, you know, applications rely on on information exchanges, and the the network behavior, you know, can can create challenges for a lot of different applications. So, I think that there there is a need to uh, provide some virtual behavior that kind of matches what the applications expect when you talk about legacy applications, but. But certainly abstracting the, the network and communication systems away, you know, and, and just providing that, that application environment is really important. And, and, and I think for the most part, we do, we do a really good job of that, ab- abstracting away the, the behavior of the network. But sometimes you actually want the application behavior to change based on the capabilities of the underlying network as that changes because of the environment. Application-aware adaptation down into the network and application adaptation based on what's happening in the network, I think, is, is an important technology area. All right, very nice. This has been a fascinating conversation, unfortunately, that we are out of time for today. You've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Let me thank my guests for today. Our guests were Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical for the Army, Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director of the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army, Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab, Retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, 
a senior visiting fellow at MITRE, and Scott Susie, the director of DOD for Nutanix. Angela, thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure. Thanks. Retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, thank you. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. And Scott, a pleasure to have you as well. Thank you, Jason. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Keyword NTNX.